And the challenge is it's, it's just too expensive. And people cannot mm. afford an accountant on a monthly basis or on a weekly basis. At the end, they have a lot of questions and then they need to figure it out by themselves. And we want to make sure that using AI and using a lot of different services, we can give them all of the different features and answers that they have in regards to growing your business, cash flow management, taxes, and so on and so forth. There are a lot of different business questions that can be answered using AI. And that's one of the main features that we are looking at for 2024. Welcome to the SMB Tech Innovators podcast powered by Gusto. On this show, we explore the intersection of fintech, vertical SaaS, and how software combats the rising complexity of running a business. Our goal is to share stories, advice, and best practices from the leaders and investors behind today's cutting-edge platforms. This episode of the SMB Tech Innovators podcast is brought to you by Gusto Embedded. Gusto has spent a decade building and testing its payroll, tax filing, and compliance infrastructure, which is available as a robust set of APIs so you can develop custom-tailored payroll solutions. For more information, go to embedded.gusto.com. Here's your host, Brian Bush. On this episode of the SMB Tech Innovators podcast, my guest is Lilac Barr-David, co-founder and CEO at Lilly, a financial platform for business owners combining banking, accounting, and tax management tools. Lilac, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. Great to be here. We appreciate you taking some time today, and in no small part because you have a really incredible career in the overlap of technology and finance. First from founding a company called Pepper, one of the first challenger banks in Israel, and now with Lilly. So would you walk us through a bit kind of your career journey and share just a little bit of background and particularly any insights along the way at that intersection of technology and finance? Sure. So I have to say that I've been doing banking and payments for more than 20 years in different roles, started with finances, moved to technology, business development strategy. So I started on the corporate side, moved to I want to say more the startup scene with innovation and then building my own companies and so on. Super excited about the industry. I think the banking industry has been one of the oldest industries that were lacking a lot of innovation and, and different tools. And from my point of view, it was always not just about the banking issues or banking challenges, but it was actually about trying to solve the different pain points um, consumer and businesses are facing on the day to day. Well, if you're looking at the industry in the intersection between banking technology and customer experience, I think the level of expectation from consumers right now in regards to the different services that they are consuming is really high. And in order for us to be there and fulfill those specific expectations, we have to use technology and try to rethink about use cases or about products, about processes and so on to deliver the best experience that we can. I'm curious, are there any examples? So Pepper was an early fintech, if we can use the word innovator, more on the consumer side, if I recall. Are there any specific examples that you can think about of, hey, this is how we were, at least for the market you were serving, this is how we were actually really using technology to change the banking experience or the payments experience? Yeah, sure. So I think within our domestic market, P2P payments were not there before Pepper. So I think we've made a lot of difference in regards to the ability to actually share payments across different platforms between people, between consumers and small business owners, and the ability to split transactions, buy now, pay later, the ability to invest actually in fractional shares, where mm. we actually democratize access to the investment banking and platforms for 
individuals, young adults that didn't have access, didn't have the knowledge. And I think creating the best infrastructure for them to actually transact in the different financial products, which means that their savings are smarter, they're able to compare between products, they're able to use their money in a smarter way. I think those are really big differences within the market that Pepper actually initiated. Appreciate that. And building on that just a little bit, let's talk about Lily and anchor the audience just a little bit. Tell us who Lily is, what you offer, and a little bit who you serve. We're super excited about Lily because we really saw that within the small business industry, a lot of people are taking small businesses for granted. They're, they've always been there on the street, they're using their services, they're buying their products and so on. But really running a small business can be overwhelming. We truly get it. And that is why when we created Lily, it was all about trying to make the financial aspects of managing your business easier. So you can actually focus on building your business, doing whatever you love about your business and all of the other aspects of running your business from financial point of view and also from the business operation point of view will be out of your hands. And taking back control of the business, I think it's important. And what we have built is really a platform that actually serves you in a way that you can manage both your banking and your accounting, your invoicing and your taxes in just one place. Gives you clarity that you need as a business owner and focus on your business goals. And we can help you with all of the different aspects of managing your business at the end. I know solopreneurs are one sort of part of your customer base, which I think is a fascinating market. I've seen estimates on the order of $1.3 trillion of folks or business volume through these folks, 59 or 60 million folks globally who run a business of one effectively. And I think that group has gotten more spotlight recently, especially as you say, folks building dedicated tools to help them operate like a much bigger business. So I'm curious whether it's that part of your customer base or others, were there any particular insights or any particular customer stories that you think really stand out in terms of explaining the need for Lily and why combining the banking, the payments or invoicing and the tax management all in one place, the accounting in one place, like how that really moves the needle for this small business base? So I think the market is really focused on trying to build the CFO stack. And all of the different tools the CFO will need to manage the business finances in regards to employee expenses and so on. But I think the biggest challenge is actually building the small business owner stack because those small business owners are really unique. Whether they're solopreneurs, as you said, but it could be multi-member businesses that have a few employees, S-corps and so on. It really doesn't matter the incorporation type of the business or how big it is. As long as we are looking at the different challenges that they're facing on the day-to-day. One of the biggest challenges, I think, from a business owner point of view, and this came up with all of the different focus groups that we have made in all our interviews and so on, is the fact that it's mainly one individual that has to do everything. They have to operate the business. They have to market the product or the service but they also have to be the CFO of the business, which means they have to categorize transactions, go through expenses, they have to save for taxes. Actually, saving for taxes is a big pain point because nobody knows how much they need to save. And defining the specific percentage you have to put aside or filing your taxes by the end of the year or paying quarterly advances and so on and so forth. So like many different pain points that are related to money movement within your business. When we were looking at it, we saw that we can definitely use the data that we have within your bank account and within your business debit card or credit card 
and actually generate all of those different products that will help you in an automated way to keep track on all of your business finances. So Lilac, I'm curious, maybe to go just a little bit deeper. The question I want to ask is from a product lens to solve that pain, where did you want to start? And I think you just said the data in the bank account, maybe through transactions and payments through debit cards. It sounds like that's the wedge or the route in. I'm curious if you think that gives one, if that's correct, but two, if you feel like that gives you an advantage over folks who might be targeting a similar customer set, but are thinking about it more, say, through the lens of let's start with the accounting challenges, or maybe it is just the payment side. Hey, we were the point of sale or the way that this customer is going to take payments. Folks are converging on bringing multiple tools and products into one platform. But I'm curious if you think starting with sort of the lens of being the bank account matters. So I think the concept of actually embedding accounting and banking really resonates within the small business owners. We can see our community actually opting into our subscription-based products that are embedding a bookkeeping and taxes with the payments and with the banking side. I think because it's all related to the same transaction flow. So think about a transaction that started with a card. So like you went and bought office supplies for the business. You have to categorize that transaction as an office supply. Then you have to generate the reports. Either you're filing your own taxes or you're sharing that with an accountant and so on. But it's all connected to the same money movement. And nobody wants to go online once a month, go through a lot of different transactions, lose receipts or put receipts in a box and then try to figure out which transaction was what and so on. And imagine an experience that it's all happening in real time. You swipe your card. The transaction is already pre-categorized and it's done. So like, we don't have to ask you that which transaction was it or what was it the business office supply or something else. We actually know it because if we are looking at the business transactions and businesses like you within the same category, living in the same state and so on and so forth, we can actually 98% accuracy categorize every transaction for you. So you don't have to do anything. And I think accounting software has been really dependent on you being very involved and trying mm. to do all of the work. And I think now using AI and a lot of different automated tools, we can actually do all of the things for you and pre-populate the transaction, categorize it to the specific IRS category, generate your financial reports, then generate your tax reports. We don't need you to do anything within it. If we made a mistake, you can definitely override it. But mm. based on your past behavior, the chances that we can do it much better than you. And I think you would want to outsource that specific work because you don't have a lot of time. You want to focus on building your business and nobody wants to do accounting. So what I hear you saying a little bit is the banking, the accounting and the categorization of all these transactions, they're really two sides of the same coin. And to some extent, in the past, it was software tools that created something of an artificial distinction by saying, well, your bank sits here, your accounting platform sits here, and you have to do a lot of work in the middle. And really... What you're doing is leveraging, hey, the fact that these two things just should be deeply intertwined. And if you do that, you can automate a lot of the work that used to have to happen. Definitely. And also taxes are really connected because if you think about an income that hits the account, so like money has to move into a bank account at the end. And when money hits the account, whether it's with wires or ACH or check deposit and so on, it's an income. It has to have the specific tax deductible format. Because not 100% of the transaction is yours, something has to go to payments of taxes. And the fact that we can actually, in an automated way, move that specific percentage from that income and put it in a bucket 
you have enough state for taxes is trying to solve the pain point around making sure that you're always prepared for the taxes and then you have enough safe in the side. I think overall, all of those different transactions are related to money movement. And within that specific transaction, we can automate the different processes related to accounting and taxes and payments and so on. And much of this is wrapped up in, I believe it's Lily Smart. When did you launch that product? Earlier this year. Okay. Actually, we're very proud of it. It does seem fascinating. It's leveraging kind of some of the embedded fintech pieces, some AI, as you mentioned. I actually want to talk about how you're going about, let's click just one level deeper and how you're building some of these tools. What extent or how do you think about where do you want to build functionality natively versus where do you want to rely perhaps on an embedded platform? How do you think about what you want to own versus where you want to partner when it comes to delivering a feature like Lily Smart? obviously, as quickly as possible. So there is always a question between build versus buy, a question on pricing and quality of service and also about timing at the end. And I think for us, it was really important to make sure that we have an affordable product to market to our customers. And I think owning your own technology makes it more available and affordable in that Mm. way. So when we are looking at the question, we really look at the fundamentals on can we do something differently? within the user experience? Can we create something better? And the question on buy versus build is, can we add value to a specific use case? If it's infrastructure that nobody cares, it's supposed to work and that's it. So we will definitely just buy and and partner with somebody. But if Mm -hmm. it's something that we feel we have access to data, we can do that in real time. We can automate the process. We can generate a different experience. We definitely want to build that. And I think in a lot of our software is really very dependent on our access to data in real time and our ability to actually use AI to predefine the different data elements within that specific transaction and enrich that transaction. So the user experience will be completely different than what you imagine or what you used to have within the different tools and services that you're using. I'm hearing you say is when it feels like the core functionality is it just needs to work. I don't want to say commoditized by any means. That's a good place to think about partnership as long as, one, you're generating the data the way that you need. Two, there's the opportunity to either customize or innovate on the end user experience around that kind of versus if there's really a compelling cost driver because you want to keep the platform affordable, that might tip the balance of, hey, we actually want to go build this from scratch. Definitely. Does that framework apply going forward? Maybe talk a little bit about where you see Lily's platforms evolving in the future. There's a whole span of from insurance, obviously payroll, there could be long-term savings. There's a whole world of other embedded finance products you could be offering. I'm curious, one, just where you see custom demands driving need for new products and features and how you think about not giving away way your roadmap, but giving us a little bit of how you might apply that framework and that thinking to how you see some innovation going forward. Sure. So I think when we started, it was also trying to solve the different pain points, not just about the financial aspect of the business, but also about the operational side. So we feel like there are still pain points within the financial side that we haven't figured out yet. And it's definitely Mm. within the roadmap, like credit. So the ability to offer affordable, available credit for specific business owners in different ways. This is something that we definitely want to tackle. And um, there are different tools that we feel you know, are important for the customer experience, like business insurance and also payroll and so on. 
which is definitely areas of expertise where it doesn't make sense to build by yourself. There's a lot of regulation around it. So it's definitely areas where we do want to partner with and embed that within our experience, overall experience. It's going to feel like an holistic experience from a platform point of view, but we are not going to build our own product in those specific areas. Mm-hmm. But we are really focused on accounting and taxes on one hand and uh, different financial features on the other hand, like bill pay and point of sale and using AI to generate, I want to say, a lookalike accounting experience. I think we want to make mm-hmm. sure that every small business owner will have access to accountants. And uh, the challenge is it's, it's just too expensive. And people cannot mm. afford an accountant on a monthly basis or on a weekly basis. At the end, they have a lot of questions and then they need to figure it out by themselves. And we want to make sure that using AI and using a lot of different services, we can give them all of the different features and answers that they have in regards to growing your business, cash flow management, taxes, and so on and so forth. There are a lot of different business questions that can be answered using AI. And that's one of the main features that we are looking at for 2024. I appreciate that, Lilac. And thank you for giving us just a little bit of a, a preview into things to come. I'm curious as well. So if what I hear you say is that same idea of let's save, let's save the user not just time, but having to learn some of these specialized skill sets, say on the accounting side, if and where you can leverage data and some of these AI technologies in order to really cut out steps in the process. I hear you talking about expanding that to invoicing and bill pay and some other pieces that maybe are also the other side of some of these coins. I'm curious in your mind, if we put ourselves in the user perspective, what sorts of trends do you see driving some of the demand for these features? What trends do you predict will be most relevant in 2024? Let's go back to the user, to that business owner. What's changing on their side that will drive some of the demand for these new features you're talking about? I think, you know, it, it goes back to the basic fundamentals on how complicated it is to actually build a business. And the fact that it's a very competitive landscape, a lot of businesses don't make it. Like the statistics are 20 to 25% of businesses who are not going to make it on the first year. They want to make sure that they have enough time to actually focus on building and growing their business. And I think it's becoming very complicated because they have an offline experience, an online experience, you're building different tools and services, you're building different products, and you're selling domestically and locally, and but also internationally in some cases. And I think it's becoming more and more complicated to manage a business. But I think those specific trends on how complicated it is to manage a business and what you need to have to make it, it's driving all of the different demands for an all-in-one experience where you can get as much automation and as much tools and services from just one one platform. And it's not going to be an easy experience. At the end, you have a lot of your plate and you want to make sure that you optimize your time in a way that actually serves best your business. I also think that if you're looking at small business owners, a lot of women are actually small business owners right now. They dominate more than 50% of our user base. And you know, for them, managing work and life could be even more complicated. And we want to make sure that they have the tools they need. And from an educational point of view, they have all of the different data points and knowledge that they have, they need to manage their business. Giving them access to all of those different tips and blog 
blogs that are available for them to give them access to the different tools, even give them access to AI tools to manage their business, not just from a financial point of view, but actually more of the marketing side and so on. I think it's super important. I'm curious, do you feel like whether it's from the product plans or for lack of a better word, your branding and go to market, have you specifically targeted female business owners or is that more just a coincidence in who your customer base has evolved to be? From our point of view, we, when we were looking at the traditional industry, mainly the banking industry, but also the accounting industry, it's all designed for more, I want to say, a men interaction. So mm-hmm. the names, the brand, the colors, the way that the knowledge and data, the way that the product is actually orchestrated. We wanted to make sure that women are comfortable with the product. They feel resonated with the name, the brand, the colors, the, the features, how simple and easy it is to use it. And you don't have to invest a lot of time and energy to actually learn the product. So I think it was really important to us to make sure that the product is a good fit for both women and men. And mm-hmm. from a small business owner point of view, I think it's, it's super important. So I'd love to maybe as we start to close this conversation today, I wonder if there's anything unique given your founding experience, given your customer base. The broad question is going to be what advice do you have for other founders today, in particular, any female founders today, especially those who might be thinking about, again, some sort of a business or already building a business at the intersection of finance and technology these days. Maybe the way to phrase the question for you, given you've already founded a couple of companies is, What's different now that folks should be aware of when it comes to starting and growing a financial technology business? So I think it, it's much easier to actually build a product today from a technology point of view, because you do have a lot of different vendors within the industry that can provide you with the banking infrastructure and, and KYC and KYB services and all of those different fraud monitoring tools and so on. But I think it's becoming harder and harder to build a brand and to make a product that actually solve really big issues for big pain points for the customer base, whether it's consumers or small businesses. And also, I think the regulatory framework is actually complicated right now. I think since we have seen the SVB collapse and a lot of different vast providers and a lot of different sponsor banks are being sanctioned by the FDIC, the bar is really, really high. And it can take Mm. months to get a sponsor bank and get all of those different products approved. But also from the day-to-day, the level of investment, the level of resources you need to have that are making sure that everything is working as expected are really higher today. So paying attention to all of those different policies and procedures are super important when you're building a financial product right now. Is the advice then to somebody like, hey, you need to think about hiring specialists, say, earlier in maybe your typical journey. Is it you just as the founder need to go to compliance school on some of these things? How does somebody actually go about addressing some of these dynamics? What advice would you have for folks? I think first, you have to understand the different issues. I wouldn't just outsource it to anybody. Even Mm -hmm. if they are expert, I think you need to understand the framework. You need to be engaged with the different questions on the table in that regards. It's definitely worthwhile having experts, I think, not just in the regulation point of view, but also in different areas. And also, I think the challenge would be, how do you embed people that are mainly coming from traditional industry in regards to the compliance side or the fraud Mm -hmm. and risk side and adjusting them to a startup environment in a way that actually creates a successful relationship for both sides and drives the business forward. 
which can be difficult. There's a lot of process, a lot of structure, but also a lot of resources that exist in some of the traditional institutions. It allows folks to specialize. And I, I think that can be very hard when they come to a startup environment where they're maybe asked to wear just a lot more hats and do many more things, but do them at a much briefer level, if you will. And also some of the products are new. And you have to work around the different aspects of compliance in that regards, because it's not in the books. Nobody did it before. Mm -hmm. So it takes a little bit of creativity and, and extrapolation from what's been done in the past and really mapping to this new innovative idea going forward. Definitely. Innovation is always important when you're building a startup. Thank you so much for taking some time today to share some of your thoughts and insight. Thank you for giving us a little bit of a preview where Lily is headed. Before we wrap up, if any of our listeners want to go deeper, if they have additional questions that we didn't get to today, is there a way that they could reach out to you, whether it's social media or directly, to connect and share those questions? Definitely. Well, I think first there's Lily.co, our website has a lot of information that is really relevant for small business owners and not just the definitely urge you to come and look for us. And personally, me on LinkedIn, like my David, reach out. I'm always available, happy to help and answer any questions and just ideate on your ideas. Mm. Lilac, thank you so much again. It's really been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you, Brian. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of the SMB Tech Innovators podcast. We'll make sure to link to any resources that were mentioned in today's show in the show notes. Please also feel free to leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast or to connect with the Gusto Embedded team via LinkedIn. In particular, we'd love to hear any future guests you'd like us to have on the show. Thanks again for listening and keep a lookout for the next episode.